Well, we know a thing or two because we've been around so long. We certainly know a lot more than what we knew when we started out. And we're grateful for all the good things through our lives that have happened to us. We had lived um, in Fort Worth and moved to escape the city. We went to Arlington for 14 years and moved to Mansfield to escape the city. And when we moved to Mansfield, we found our home. At the time we came, our church had 700 members. The main building was new. When it came time to build this building, uh, my wife was on the building committee. People stepped out on faith. They saw that Mansfield was going to grow. This church's future is built on the foundation that was laid by its history. Through the years, there were many struggles. The church was hit by a terrific storm in 1901, by a horrendous fire in 1942, and then again in 1951, the church burned. But all along the way, these people have passed to us a torch of faith, Amen. which we must carry on into the future. We've got a lot of great people that have come into this church and are no longer here. And they've built their lives to help support what we're doing now. And the best we can do is help build on our lives to help those that are to come. I see so many needs in our church right now, in the youth program, the children's program, the special needs program. We've got Sunday school classes that are growing to the extent that they no longer they have a hard time meeting because they don't have any place to meet. The um, Wesley Mission Center has grown and now serves a much wider area. We are right now involved in missions all over the world, and that makes me so humble and proud. This church has established itself in the community and identified itself as people who love Jesus. This is where our future is. Let's give them the room to do what they need to do to serve Jesus. It's just such an honor. I mean, to, to be part of this church and to be part of what God's doing through the, the work of the church. And the church isn't the building, the church is the people, and it's through God's people that He's doing all this. And if this building burned down, the people would be here tomorrow. And it wouldn't be just our members. It'd be the community out there coming together to help rebuild it. Anything we can do that helps the community and then helps each one of us know what God's message is for our lives, boy, I'm for it. Let's go. Everything we do. Everything we do. Everything we do. We do together. Everything we do. <laughs> Are we supposed to say one? the other thing? Everything we do, we do. I'm Randall and I'm Linda, and everything we do, we do together. <laughs> everything we do, we do together. Together. Okay. <laughs> Can we do that again? Everything we do, we do together. 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 Well, 
it is a joy to welcome uh, those of you here at 9.30, to welcome those uh, worshiping at the Well and at the Well Cafe. Uh, if we have not met, my name is David, uh, and it is an honor to serve as the senior pastor of this church. Uh, if you ever uh, hear that phrase from me as uh, perhaps uh, uh, in the vein of false humility, I'll just, uh, I'll just say this, it is, it is a, hum a humbling honor to, to serve a, at a church uh, where Barbara and Lou and Barry are a part of that church. Uh, to serve as their pastor, to, uh, to hear their faith. I appreciate uh, the opportunity you have had to, to hear from them. I did tell Lewin that uh, my heart skipped a beat when he said, if this church burns down, I thought, Lewin, we're trying to move in the opposite direction. Don't talk about the church burning down. <laughs> Uh, but I'll also let you know that Barbara has for many years served as a member of our executive lay leadership team, which is the key leadership team here uh, in our church. Uh, she is one whose voice uh, carries a lot of weight. She's one who, uh, when she speaks, we listen because of uh, her life and her faith. Uh, and few others in this church uh, have had a bigger impact on who I am today than Barbara Berry. And I want you to, uh, to know that. Uh, I couldn't say this last service because uh, she was sitting right over there. Uh, but many years ago, um, uh, Barbara was in the hospital for much longer than we had, uh, she had expected to be, much longer than anybody had hoped uh, that uh, she would be. And uh, every once in a while as a pastor, you just find yourself praying a prayer that just for a moment feels like a selfish prayer. But, uh, but as she was there and very sick, I can remember just saying to God, God, uh, I, I still need Barbara, okay? So just let's make a deal. I need Barbara. I need her in my life, and um, she's been such a blessing to this church. Appreciate, again, both Barbara and Lewin sharing with you. We are, as a family of faith, uh, preparing for our next uh, bold step of faith, the, faith uh, the step that we believe that God has called us to, and as we've thought about uh, the strength and the capacity of this church to take that step, each week we've talked about that in relationship uh, to the idea of this rope, thinking of what Solomon uh, says uh, when, when he talks about a triple-braided cord not being easily broken. Uh, and when you think about the, the strength, uh, the capacity of this rope, it is determined by the unity of each fiber within that rope. And the same is true for the life of the church. Our strength, our capacity uh, to step into God's future is in our, the unity of our life together. Everything we do, we do together. We often say large or small, everything that we do, uh, we do because we we unite ourselves together and we are focused on that uh, together. We have also uh, in recent weeks talked about this idea that building a building uh, is about more than a building. <laughs> Building a building is about more than a building, and we'll talk more today about what that looks like. Uh, but as we come to the fourth message of this series, and we come to uh, uh, next week being the final weekend, the uh, commitment weekend for us in this campaign, thinking about what we feel called to do, what our, our building planning team has outlined in, term, uh, in terms of expansion uh, and, and enhancement of our ministry campus, uh, I just want to remind you again what you, uh, what the church is asking of you uh, as we come to the final weekend of this series. Uh, what the church is asking is for all those who call First Methodist Mansfield home 
to prayerfully consider a financial commitment uh, that you may be able to contribute over the course of the next three years, 2019, 2020, and 2021, above and beyond your regular giving to help make this vision become a reality. Now, why is it above and beyond your regular giving? Because we, we intend to continue the work of ministry while we are investing in the future of our ministry. And that's the ask. That's what the church is asking of you. And next weekend, we'll have a chance uh, for us all to do that together. You hopefully have heard me say before that I will never ask you to do anything that I am unwilling to do. I believe the integrity of a pastor starts there. You can never ask anybody else to do what you are unwilling to do. If you challenge your church to pray that God would help you to forgive somebody, well, you better do that yourself. That's part of what it means. Uh, and the other advantage a pastor has is I know what I'm going to ask before I ask it. And so I have the chance to, to, to pray about that in advance. Uh, my wife and I have had the chance to pray about that in advance. And so next week, uh, we'll be making a commitment over the course of the next three years uh, to give $30,000 to this campaign. And I share that with you for a very specific reason. It is not to impress you. It is not out of any source of pride, but I share that with you as a tangible expression of what I have shared with you each week of this series, uh, the idea that I believe in you and I believe in our future. Stephanie and I believe in you and we believe in our future. And so it is with joy that, that we have the chance to make a sacrifice for the sake of the kingdom, for the sake of the future of this church, because we believe in this church. And we believe in the future that we are pursuing together. Building a building is about so much more than a building because everything that we do is focused on the work of changing lives. Every single one of our worship spaces, when you think about what makes them sacred, what makes them holy, there are aspects of those spaces that you probably appreciate. You think about the beauty of those spaces and you think about the idea that that may be what makes them sacred. That may be what makes them holy. But what makes them sacred, what makes them holy is what happens within those spaces. It's lives being changed. It's word, uh, the word of faith being proclaimed. It's people who are hurting, receiving hope. It is the sound of your praise that fills those spaces. That's what makes it holy because everything that we do is focused on changing lives. Last week, we talked about leading together, the idea that the church has a special calling to be a blessing to the world, to serve and sacrifice and give to those in need in our world, but the church also has has a responsibility to be a voice of truth in the world, to be a voice that perhaps challenges uh, what may be happening in the world, to speak against injustice, to speak for peace, uh, to call the world back to what we believe is the way that we leads to life, to have the courage to do that. And the church's role today and the church's role in generations to come in leading together is an essential part of what we do. Today we're talking about growing together. And so if you have your Bible, I want to encourage you to open that to Ephesians chapter 1. If you didn't bring your Bible with you, you can find Ephesians chapter 1 on page 1815 in the blue Bibles that we have in all of our worship spaces. And as you find that, let me just give you a few words of context about what I'm going to read to you. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the Christian community in Ephesus. Now, when you think about the Christian community in Ephesus, don't think about the church on the square, okay? We're talking about house churches. We're talking about small communities of men and women who have already said yes to Jesus. 
You might also think about this letter as one that Paul writes to those living in Ephesus, but like all of the letters of the New Testament, they would have also been circulated uh, to communities in, uh, to the Christian communities and surrounding communities. So many would have received these words from Paul. And so I, I want you to know that up front, but I also want you to hear these for what they are. These words that I'm gonna read to you are Paul's prayer for those who have already said yes to Jesus. This is his pastor's heart being expressed, sharing with them what he is praying for them. So hear them not only as Paul's heart, Paul's prayer for the people who are receiving his words, but I wanna invite you to also hear them as your pastor's prayer for you. Prayer for our church, prayer for everyone who is connected with this body of faith, and to hear them as the hope that God has for you and for your life. So we begin in verse 14, I'm sorry, verse 15 of chapter one. Listen to this prayer prayed for you. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Now, if you're one of those individuals who writes in your Bible, you know, you have the courage to do so, it's okay, by the way, uh, I, I would encourage you to underline that last phrase. That's an important phrase. Paul's prayer is, he says, so that you may know him better. Now, remember who received these words uh, originally. Remember the community uh, in, in which this would have been read out loud. These were people who had already said yes to Jesus. They had already said that they wanted to live their life under the lordship of Jesus. They had made a significant commitment in their life, living in a pagan world, to say, we're going to organize our life in a different way. But to those who had already said yes, Paul says, my prayer is that you will know him better. In other words, from the very beginning, all the way back, first century, first groups of people seeking to live as followers of Jesus, from the very beginning, the goal was more than introducing people to Jesus. The goal of the church, the goal of the Christian life is not to say, hey, have you met my friend Jesus? Here he is, Jesus. He's a really nice guy. You should, this, this is Jesus. The goal of the church is not simply to facilitate uh, casual acquaintances with Jesus. The goal is not that Jesus would be added to your increasing, increasing list of friends uh, who, who are part of those circle of friends that you share life with. The goal is that you would know him better, that you would deepen in this relationship. It's more than an introduction. And from the very beginning, that's been the goal. So to those who've already said yes, Paul says, I want you to know him better. And listen to what else he wants them to know. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which you have been called, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. So you've met him, you know him, 
You've been introduced, you've already said yes, but I want you to know him even better. I want you to know the hope that you now have. I want you to understand how great the riches are of his inheritance. I want you to experience and to know the incomparably great power of life with Jesus. And just in case you're wondering what that incomparably great power is, look at what he says next. He says, that power is the same as the mighty strength he, God, exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms far above all rule and authority, power and dominion and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. So this power, this incomparably great power that Paul is praying that the recipients of this letter will know, he wants them to also know that it's the same power that raised Christ from the dead And it's the same power that has seated him at the right hand of God. Seated, by the way, is a really important word in Scripture. Because the one who is seated is the one who reigns. The one who is seated is the one who gets to sit on the throne. So the power that Paul is speaking of is not simply a power that was experienced in a singular moment in time when Christ was raised from the dead. But it is the power that now resides in Christ, giving him the authority to be on the throne that is over all creation. It's what makes his name above all other names in the present age, in the age to come. He has been given the power to reign over all creation. And in this relationship that you have with him, this deepening, growing relationship with him, Paul says, I'm praying that you will understand this power, the power of Christ and the power that because of his spirit living in you resides in you. Now flip with me over to chapter three. Uh, Everything in between, by the way, is important. Uh, You can read that later, but if I went through it, we'd be here through Tuesday. So we're going to go ahead and jump to chapter 3, verse 14. Here this is simply a continuation of the prayer that Paul is praying. Verse 14, he says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, and I pray that out of his God's glorious riches, he may strengthen you with, here's this word again, power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ might dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all of God's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God, that you would be rooted and established in love. That you would be living in a growing relationship with Jesus 
in which you are growing in your understanding of the incomparably great power that is available through life in Him and the width, the depth, the overwhelming capacity of His love. That the rest of your life should be a life in which you continually marvel at the goodness and grace of God, the width, the depth of His love for you, for the world, for all people, rooted and established in love. More than an introduction, more than simply a casual acquaintance, more than listing him among a group of friends, but a relationship in which you are experiencing all that Paul describes. This is the prayer of the pastor. The pastor who prays for your needs when you ask for prayer for your needs, who prays for your healing, who, who, who prays for uh, the decisions that you have to make, who prays for all the things that you offer up as, as, as what you would want someone to pray for, but also prays for this. Because this is our hope, this is our, this is our desire, this is God's hope for, you, uh, for your life and, and, and for your future, that we would be growing together. Now, uh, you, you may have noticed uh, here in our sanctuary space, uh, in, our, in our chapel, uh, upstairs in the, in the loft, uh, over the course of the last four weeks as we've talked about expansion and growth and, and we've talked about our current needs and our future needs, you may have noticed that there is space to be filled in all of our worship spaces. In our main sanctuary in particular, uh, you may look around and you may think, well, there's, there's like, there's sections that are available. Like there's a neighborhood that could sit over there. You know, there's, there's plenty of room in, 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 in our spaces. And so you may think, well, what is, why, why is the pastor talking about growth and why is the leadership talking about growth? Well, well just in, in relationship to this building, let me just tell you why uh, we have the, uh, the great situation that we have uh, here today in, in our main sanctuary. This was originally constructed in 1998. And when the church moved in in 1998, some of you were here at that time and you remember this, what they experienced in those very first Sundays was the surprising, perhaps somewhat not depressing, but a little bit challenging understanding that they were already out of space. <laughs> that they had already filled this new sanctuary that they had built. So rather than getting to take a victory lap and take a nap, they, they had to immediately begin the process of thinking about, well, how do we make, how, how do we expand this space so that it continues to meet the needs that we anticipate we have, the needs that we know this city is going to have? And so in 2006, this main sanctuary space was expanded. Now, if you're in the chapel or the loft, oh, maybe you've been in here before, and so what I'm gonna describe will, will make some sense to you. But let me just tell you what this sanctuary used to look like. Uh, the, the areas that are under the overhangs here, I refer to those as the armpits, by the way, which is no reflection on the people who sit there, but it's just the best way I could think of to describe it. That used to be the hallway to leave the, the sanctuary space. The hallway's now outside of those spaces. We added seats there. Uh, if you look at, um, well, let's see, kind of the first row over there in that section, just all the way across, that, that used to be the wall 
So all those seats over there are new, and the same, place, same thing over here, all those seats are new. Those windows, they used to be a little bit closer because <laughs> they were in the walls that were, that were there previously. The atrium uh, was added, uh, I think there was about 600 seats that were added to this worship space because they moved in and they went, oh, we, we already don't have enough room. And, and so with wisdom, they, they went right back to work. To, to make sure that, that we had enough space. And so you look around, you think, well, this isn't, this isn't where it is. And, and you're right. We have room in all of our worship spaces to grow. And, and, and we're grateful. We're grateful for the wisdom of leaders who have come before us, uh, uh, leaders who made that decision to go right back to work, to make sure that we had space for the future. But there's other spaces that we, that, that we do lack, and, and the other spaces actually provide a constriction on what we can do here. And so the great beauty and, 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 uh, and, and glory of this space, we really can't maximize the sacrifice that others have made because there's other things that need to be addressed. Uh, as, as this church has, has grown and expanded, and children's ministry has taken over you know, every nook and cranny and which is important because you got to take care of kids. But from back in 1996 all the way to today, back when the church averaged about 300 in worship, so basically that side of the sanctuary, or back, all the way from back then, the one thing this church has never really had the opportunity to invest in is space for adult discipleship. Space for adults to connect in, in groups and, uh, and to deepen in, in life-changing relationships. One of our values, core values, is that shared lives lead to changed lives. And let me just make sure you understand what that means. What we do in, in, in these environments, when, when we gather and we sit in rows and we worship together, this is really important. It's a big deal. We care very deeply about this. We work really hard uh, on, the, uh, on the opportunity that, that we have to, to participate in worship together. And, and we sincerely pray that when you come to worship and you participate in worship, we sincerely pray and hope that you experience God. We sincerely pray that there are people who walk through these doors who are hurting, who experience hope. We pray that uh, that, that, that if there are husbands and wives who, who come into this place and, and they're in a season where there's, there's some tension, there's some hurt, there's some things that are just not right, we sincerely pray that the spirit in this place moves and begins to bring some healing in the midst of those relationships. Or maybe it's a relationship with a coworker or friend. We pray sincerely that people who walk through these doors who don't know Jesus they get the chance to meet him. We want that. We, we, what we do in here is very important. But here's, here's what we also know. We know that significant life transformation, we know that the fulfillment of the prayer that Paul prays here, what we do in rows, that's a part of it. But it really begins to, to deepen. It really begins to build momentum uh, when you live your life connected to a circle. A group of people who you are sharing life with, people who you know and you are known by, people who you are praying with and praying for. People who, let's just be specific, when you have a need in your life and when you say, I, I, will you pray for this? They say, well, let's pray right now. 
because that's the, that's the level of the relationship that you have with them. You've, you've studied the Word together. You've served together. And because of that, you, you, are, you are fulfilling this prayer. Uh, here's another way of saying it, which may sound a little bit confrontational because I know everybody's life is busy. But, but I just think it's important to hear that a casual relationship with Christ goes hand in hand with a casual relationship with the church. In other words, there's no magic pill, there's no magic way to, 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 to change this if you're not willing to change this. If, if, if you are not willing to, do, uh, to, to be invested in, in the church, because remember what, what, what was said in chapter one, the church is the body of Christ. It's being connected into the body of Christ. And so if, if the relationship that you have with the church is a casual relationship, it, it, it by its very nature leads to a casual relationship with Christ. But as you deepen here, here's, here's the flip side of this, as you deepen here, you also naturally deepen here. You deepen in the relationship that you have with Jesus because you are experiencing it and sharing it and living it every single, every single day. And just in case that's too abstract, let me, let me, let me make it more specific for you. This is a picture of the home builder Sunday school class. Uh, they, uh, I, I was able to, to be with them after our 11 o'clock service last week. Uh, they love Thanksgiving so much that they had their Thanksgiving feast last weekend. So they, they really wanted to get Thanksgiving uh, started uh, really early. Um, so I, I'm usually here for at least a little while after 11 o'clock service. And so I got out there and I was kind of surprised I was the first one there. And then I thought about the fact that everybody had to go get their food. So, so they just started coming in. Uh, and I'm, I'm fairly brain dead at 11 o'clock. So I'm sitting on the couch and I'm just watching all of these people come in and they just kept coming. Uh, and we're about to have a meal and they've invited the pastor to be there. So what am I there for? I'm there to pray for the meal, right? And so I'm just, I'm ready to pray. I'm, I'm oh, is it? No, 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 not yet. Because people are still coming in and there's more food coming in uh, as they get ready for, uh, for this great meal. And, and as everybody comes in, part of what I found, I found it fascinating, but I found it, uh, it, it, it I found it so meaningful is, is knowing some of the stories of the people who are in this picture and, and being able to, to look at this picture today and know that, that in this picture, there are people who have been members of this church for 20 years. And there are people who've been members for two years. And there have been people who are guests. Uh, they've been coming here for, uh, for two months. If you want to understand the depth of Christian love in uh, this group, first over here we see Suzanne. Uh, Suzanne was wearing her bright orange war eagle shirt. She's a proud graduate of, of Auburn uh, and she wanted me as a graduate of A&M uh, to see her shirt, uh, make it prominent in the picture because the Tigers beat the Aggies on the Saturday before. Now my response to her by the way was I didn't see the game because I was working on my sermon. <laughs> that was my self-righteous response. Uh, we got some Saints fans here in the middle. These, this is the Martella family. They've been with us for, for a little while. They, they relocated uh, from, uh, from the Philadelphia area, or, or at least they have, have roots there, because when the Eagles won the Super Bowl, Joe, uh, right here, Joe's the one who bought me the Philadelphia Eagles Super Bowl champion shirt. <laughs> which I never wore. I don't know why he did it, but, but look at the Christian love here, that even the Saints fans and the Eagle fans are, are, are a welcome here. In this picture, uh, there's, there's, a, uh, there's a young mom who's going through treatment for breast cancer. 
And as I was just, you know, a fly on the wall and uh, listening to her talk about that experience, I, part of what I realized is that there, there's another woman in that group who goes with her because she just doesn't want her to be there alone. Uh, there's, a, uh, there's a woman in this picture who just a, f- a month or so ago uh, was uh, in the hospital longer than she expected to be. Uh, she wasn't in a local hospital. It was, it was far, far north Dallas. And, and yet many of the people in this picture made that trip to, to go sit by her bed and to pray for her and just make sure that she was cared for. There are people who are not in this picture because their job has, has uh, 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 invited them to move away. Uh, but, but they have, because of the blessing of being a part of this group, they've, they've started groups like this in other places. There's a, uh, there's a group, I don't know if this is their official name, but at least is their name unofficially. They're Home Builders South because of what they experienced here. And, and here, back here in the middle, you see David and, uh, and Debbie Chumchaw who, who, who lead this group and invest in these people. And, and, and part of what I want you to hear is I want this for everybody in our church. I, I have no interest in leading a church that is simply introducing people to Jesus and that's it. And helping them to develop a casual acquaintance with him. I, I, I wanna be a part of a church, and I bet you do too, where people are growing together and deepening in their life with God. And part of what we need, part of the most significant vulnerability that we have as a church is we lack the space to facilitate those relationships. I don't know how in the world these people fit in the room that they meet in. (laughs) That's what I was thinking as they were walking in too. But they squeeze themselves in each week because of what they experience there. And if you're a part of a group or a class, there's many others that are wonderful that I could tell you about. But if you're a part of one of those and you've experienced that blessing, I want you to know I want that for everybody. But if you're not a part of, uh, of a group or a class or relationships like that, I want you to know that I want that for you too. I want that for everyone who is a part of our church. And in the plans that we developed, uh, we're gonna more than triple the space that we have for developing these kinds of relationships. So we're gonna, we're gonna add some parking spots because as far as I know, uh, no one walks to church except for one person at 815 who raised their hand. So that's one person, all right? I'm guessing it's less than five. Most of you drive cars. So we're gonna add some parking spots. We're gonna enhance the space that we have for kids because that's important. We're gonna do some renovation that's gonna make uh, the, the, the movement around our campus for a first time guest so much easier. Uh, and, and so much more hospitable. And you who are members, you're gonna like it too. But we're also gonna invest in this space because we wanna be a church where people are growing, rooted and established in love, understanding the riches of his inheritance, the glorious life that is a life with Christ. And so next week, we're gonna commit together to that future because a building is about more than a building and we believe that God has called us to a next bold step of faith. So let's pray. God, remind us today that this church belongs to you and remind us that our lives belong to you. And even as we think about that, Lord, 
would you also remind us of how deeply you care and how much you long for us to take that next step into an understanding of your love. May we see you today, Lord, as as the loving parent who with a great smile on his face continually beckons us closer into a relationship with you and into an understanding of our hope, your joy, and the power you long to release in our life. May we long for more, Lord, not only in our life, but may we long for more in the life of our church so that all of us, Lord, each of us have the chance to experience the greatness of this gift that is life with you. We thank you for what you have done here and we thank you for what you are doing here. Give us the faith, Lord, to join with you and partner with you, committing to you in Jesus' name, amen.